Welcome to the Flipping Real Estate Like the Pros podcast. Here you'll learn everything you need to know to be a successful real estate entrepreneur and achieve the financial freedom you've always wanted. We talk with real experts about their experiences, their accomplishments, and more importantly, how you can learn from their mistakes so you can jumpstart your business and fortify your strategic alliances. There's no BS, no fluff, zero guru talk, just real real estate knowledge. Let's get started. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Greg with Flipping Real Estate Like the Pros. And today I have with me Ryan Inc. Ryan is the founder of Columbia Real Estate Investment Club. He is also the host of the Cashflow Dad Life podcast. Uh, Ryan is a lease option expert. So I'm really excited to have him on the show today because we don't typically talk about this stuff. And it's one of the most important and one of the best ways to get uh, real estate with very little money, if anything, out of your pocket. So Ryan, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome, man. I'm so excited. Uh, so tell us a little about yourself, Ryan. Well, uh, I'm a real estate investor in the New Orleans area. And, um, and right now, I, am, uh, I still invest uh, every single month. I buy or sell at least one property per month. And uh, I've done a lot of stuff in real estate. And, and my focus right now is on uh, showing other people uh, the, <laughs> the amazing strategy uh, that you could use with lease options. Okay. Tell us a little bit about the mechanics of a lease option, I guess. So what does that really mean? Well, there's a lot of ways that people can do them, but you've heard of lease to own or rent to own. And uh, I first came across this opportunity um, as I was buying things with creative financing and owner financing. And one of the properties that I bought, I bought with a home equity line of credit of $30,000. And I used that as a down payment for another guy who would own or finance it for me. And I was responsible for everything. I was responsible for the maintenance. I was responsible for the taxes, anything, you know, insurance. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's when I thought to myself, why am I only buying with creative financing? Why am I not selling on creative financing? If you look at some of the richest people in the world and what the banks do, you've got a choice when you acquire a property. You could either flip it and make what I call quick nickel. Or you could, um, or you could hold on to it for cash flow, which is what I call slow dime. Or you could do both, and that's essentially what the banks do. They get a down payment, and then they get passive income through the monthly note. So a lease option is essentially where you have a set purchase price. You've got an option payment, which also serves as a down payment. You've got a lease rate, and you've got monthly credits towards that purchase price. And then, you know, if you want to get complicated with it, you can add in their balloons so you can have it for three, three years or five years until they have to refinance through a traditional lender. Perfect. I think that was a great explanation. So, so Ryan, how did you get introduced to real estate investing? Yeah, so it's, uh, I'll, I'll give you the short version of the long story or the okay. long version of the short story. Uh, you know, it depends on how it comes out. Um, back in, just right, right out of college, you know, I got a job teaching and, um, and it was just, you know, $24,500 a year <laughs> to teach. And so I started looking for paydays, you know, in, in all kinds of different areas. So I looked for a payday uh, by driving a bus and coaching two sports. Uh, playing music for church, being a youth minister. And I, I got my real estate license as well to try to get commissions there. But what I realized is I'm spending, you know, these 12 to 14 hour days. And at the end of it, I had about $32,000 for the entire year. Mm. And it was just this constant pattern of exchanging my time for money. 
Well, my life got kind of flipped on its head. I had just gotten married. Uh, I just bought a house and uh, thought that I was making the right moves to start creating wealth for myself. Now, keep in mind, I'm from New Orleans. So uh, back in 2005, uh, if you remember, we had Hurricane Katrina right. kind of mowed us down. So um, I was literally for a couple of weeks, I was homeless. You know, it was just me, my wife, who was pregnant. For, uh, she was eight months pregnant. Um, we were staying at a, a little uh, uh, apartment for in Baton Rouge for a little brother who was going to school at LSU. And she's the oldest of 11 kids. So oh, you wow. can imagine there was no space in the apartment. So I'm sleeping out in the car, uh, you know, trying not to smell the gas fumes in the car because we were rationing gas. Um, at any rate, so I, I, I had this kind of start in life, first year marriage as a husband and provider. And uh, I started with literally nothing. I lost everything in the hurricane. Uh, the roof was blown off the house. It had flooded. And the job where I was working was six feet underwater. So, you know, I, I, I tried all these different things, getting jobs in corporate America. I got a job selling copiers. And, um, but it was, I was living this life of just being just over broke, you know, the, the old acronym J-O-B staying mm -hmm. for just over broke. And, the, and the rubber hit the road for me as I was driving across the causeway of new Orleans. And, uh, I thought to myself, uh, I just gotten chewed out by this Catholic monk. <laughs> I just, I, I just sold them this copier and, uh, the guy, the, the copier wasn't working and, you know, copiers, it's, it's one of those things where I don't know if you've seen the movie Office Space, but, you know, it's you know, everybody wants to take their copier out back and hit it with a baseball bat. And uh, that was, you know, what people thought of me when I walked in there, you know, uninvited to sell them a copier. So at any rate, I just got chewed out by this uh, Catholic monk uh, for, uh, you know, something that had to do with the company it had nothing to do with me. But I just thought, wow, my life is really bad if I'm sitting here you know, at the point where I'm getting chewed out by Catholic monks. So I asked myself this question that really changed my life. And it was, what would you do if money didn't matter? You know, what, what, what would you spend your time doing? And I thought to myself, well, if money didn't matter, I would open up like an indoor sports arena or I would open up or I would play music or something like that. So I called my wife and I said, hey, what could you see me doing if, say, we had a million dollars in the bank account? What, you, what could you see me doing if money didn't matter? And she said, I don't know, maybe open it up an indoor sports arena or play music or something. So, and we had never talked about this before in my life. And so I was like, all right, that's a sign from God. I got to make a, a change somewhere. And so I just started, I, I basically was like, what I'm doing is not working because I'm working more hours. It feels like the more I work, the more poor I get. I've got the whole hardworking formula done. And that's what people teach you, you know, work hard and then you'll make money. But that's not true because if, if working hard is all it took, then coal miners would be millionaires. And I was working my ass off, you know, but I wasn't making any money, you know? Um, so I started um, looking into, you know, just basically made the decision, I'm going to find a way, I'm going to educate myself. So I picked up that book by Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm -hmm. And, and I chose real estate as the vehicle that I was going to use because I heard well, you could get started, even if you don't have money, even if you have limited experience. Um, and I had a little bit of experience as a, as a realtor, but still very limited. Um, and even if you, you know, you, you don't have time, you don't have money, you don't have experience, you can get started. I was like, well, that's right up my alley because I have none of those things. <laughs> I'm just a broke dude, you know, getting yelled at by a, a, a Catholic monk. And so um, that just started this process where I would just learn, I'd take courses, I'd read books, and then I'd just apply everything I learned 
And finally, I, I kind of took all the strategies out there marinating in the real estate space. And I thought to myself, what is going to make me the most money in the shortest amount of time with the most passive income? Because the whole point is not to have a job, it's to have passive income so that you could do other things. And, um, and what is going to do that? So once I found out what that strategy was, um, I had, you know, I come from this place of having nothing, but once I executed that strategy, uh, I bought house after house after house. I wholesale, I flipped, I did apartments, I did short-term rentals. I did rolling real estate, which is renting RVs on the short-term rental market. And uh, I, I actually increased my net worth by a million dollars in a year. And I, I made wow. enough passive income to quit my job. Uh, for my wife to quit her job. We've got five kids now, so she's able to stay at home with the kids. And um, we've, we've got a dog that I absolutely hate. Um, but, um, but yeah, I made enough passive income to be able to pursue the life of my dreams. And long story short, I was able to not only open up a $2 million indoor sports arena, but I was able to do, to do two of them within wow. three years. That's yeah. awesome. That's quite the story, man. That's, that's a real rags of riches story. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I'm, I'm sorry. I always try to keep it short, but uh, no, I, that's great. You know, so you got introduced to it. Tell us about the first deal. Like how'd you find it? What kind of deal was it? And again, tell us some of the mechanics of that specific deal. Yeah. Okay. The first lease option deal or just the first deal no, your in first general? real estate investing deal. Yeah. So, I mean, that was actually out of necessity. So we were in the new Orleans area and that house that I just bought, um, you know, the roof got blown off and the, the water came up to the baseboards and kind of warped it a little bit. We used the insurance money to, um, to, to fix the roof, but we still needed a place in the meantime to fix it, you know, to, to stay while it was being fixed up. So I ended up just, um, you know, kind of using some creative uh, financing and, and buying another place on the North shore of New Orleans when the house on the South shore that had been, you know, damaged by the hurricane. Uh, was fixed up. There were so many people that still were displaced and needed a place to live that I was able to rent it out and get a pretty good profit on it. Okay. Uh, but made a lot of mistakes. The guy had, you know, a Noah's Ark amount of animals. The, the whole thing was flea ridden by the time he was done with it. Thanks. And uh, I, I learned that I don't want to be chasing people for rent. So you said you took a bunch of courses to learn about this stuff. Do you have a, a particular course in mind that that was like, you know, the, the one that really kind of triggered it all that really kind of, you know, kicked you in the pants, if you will. Well, I, I, I kind of went on a binge with, um, I, I kind of went on a binge with Robert Kiyosaki stuff. Okay. So I read the real book of real estate and, and pretty much everything that he had. And then from there, um, I started learning different strategies, uh, Phil Pustiovsky, Sean Terry, um, and, uh, and then just, of course, YouTube, the challenge I had was, you know, the challenge for me was you learn all this stuff about real estate, but nobody really gives you like a step-by-step. -step. So I was just learning like one strategy here or one technique here. And then I was just trying to, you know, to swing and, and eventually I'd hit a target somewhere, you know, yes. just basically throwing darts on a board. It's tough um, to fill in the gaps from some of those trainings for sure. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> All right. So tell me about a time, um, that you made an adjustment that was like super key to your business that like, uh, catapulted you to the next level. Yeah. The, the real thing that catapulted me to the next level was when I had, um, executed that 
that fourplex and I decided, all right, I need to, I need to figure out a way to um, sell things on owner financing. And the best way was with a lease option because you're not subject to foreclosure laws with lease option as you would be as like a credit sale or a bond for deed or a deed in lieu. Um, you're just subject to regular tenant laws. So it's a lease and then it's an option to buy that property. And so the first one, I, I, had, uh, I had perfected the skill of finding other people's money. Um, so the first one, actually, I, uh, I used a bunch of different 0% interest lines of credit from credit cards. Wow. And, and I went to, because it's unsecured, and then I went to the foreclosure sale because I was like, you know, this is where all the big dogs play. This is where you can get like some really great discounted properties. And I bought this house that was worth about 165000 I bought it for 118000 and needed about $2,000 uh, of, you know, just clean it up, paint it, you know, lipstick on a pig type stuff. Mm-hmm. So I ended up getting this thing. And within 30 days, I was able to um, get a lease option tenant on. I, I forget the exact amount they put down. It was between 10 and 20 grand. And, um, and it was great because I got that upfront payment and I got that passive income. So immediately, as soon as they got in there, I went refinanced it with the bank and, and got an equity line of credit on the house that I paid the credit cards off with. Cool. Um, but um, but yeah, and then I they were in there for three years. I got to help them become a homeowner again, and um, and it was great. It was it was you know two real estate strategies combined. The quick nickel is the flipping where you're making ten to sixty grand in my experience, and then the slow diamonds where you're making that passive income. So with this strategy, why I really love it and why it launched me to the next level was I was able to get both that quick nickel and slow dime at the same time. I was able to make 10 grand, uh, I forget, it was like between 10 and 20 grand that they put down. And I was able to make like $500, $600 passive income every single month. So I thought to myself, well, if I can do that with this one, I should do that with all of them. So mm-hmm. I just went on this rampage of buying houses that way and, uh, and then turning around and lease optioning them. I mean, that's, that's, um, do you have a question you just can't seem to find the answer to? Do you need to bounce ideas off a trusted expert? Do you want suggestions on how to improve your existing business strategy and real estate investing? Or do you wish you could get advice from a real estate expert that's been there and done that? Go to gregscoaching.youcanbook.me and book a free coaching call with me today. You'll have exclusive one-on-one time to go over whatever it is you need in order to propel your business to the next level. Again, that's gregscoaching.youcanbook.me to book your free 15-minute coaching call. Congrats. I mean, that's, that's um, you know, they, unfortunately, Ryan, they aren't going to make a TV show out of that. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I don't think um, so. Probably not. It's, it's not. It's not dramatic. It's it's pretty- right. That's what I'm saying. Like, it drives me crazy sometimes. Like all these people. I mean, I think you own a Ria too, right? Yes. So I own a Ria here in Tampa, and I see all these people get so gung ho and so excited about fix and flipping. And I personally hate fix and flipping. I love wholesaling, uh, and I love the creative stuff. Now. With that being said, we're in a super hot market here in Tampa. I don't know how things are in New Orleans. I'm assuming they're very similar because uh, the entire country is kind of on fire. Um, yeah. how, how successful are you seeing lease options still to this day? I mean, I know you say you're doing one a month, but is that like, is that slowed down since the market's gotten hotter? No, actually, it's gotten even better. As you really, know, the the Feds just raised the interest rate. Yes, they did. So your your market for lease options is as many people that don't get qualified for loans. So there's 
there's people that are, you know, they don't have the W-2 income that the banks like to see, but they've got 60 grand that they can put down on a house. Um, uh, they just don't get approved for the loan. Or there's people that they've got, you know, 10% to put down and, and that's not what the banks want to lend them on. It's their second house and they're done with the FHA thing. You know, they can't get a, a no money down loan anymore. Um, and, and so it's an opportunity there. And then there's another uh, faction of people where they've got a lot of really great money, but they actually made some mistakes when they were younger. Like the first couple that I rented to, they had medical debt. He was honest with me. He's like, I was just a stupid college kid. I racked up credit card debt and, and uh, my credit score is shot and I'm, I'm in the process of trying to repair it. And, uh, and he did. And after three years, he bought the house. Um, so your, your market is actually pretty big because the banks have tightened up lending. And there's a lot of people out there that have cash for a down payment, but they do not have the ability to get a bank loan. Gotcha. That's cool. I didn't think of it that way. Um, what about, um, so are you actually still like finding sellers that are willing to do creative financing? Do you, and you're basically sandwiching the deal. Is that what I'm, am I understanding that correctly? Or are you finding lease options and then leasing it to somebody else and being in the middle? How are you, how are you actually still in the deal and in most of your deals? Well, that's, that's one way to do it. If you don't have any money, you don't have any, um, you know, track record of success is certainly the, the sandwich lease option is a really great opportunity in finding owners that will creatively finance it. But what I recommend that everybody do, and it's actually not that hard to do if you're resourceful enough is I recommend, um, getting enough money to buy something in all cash. Okay. Whether it's an unsecured line of credit, a home equity line of credit, uh, you know, like I said, I use credit cards. Uh, you got to be smart with it. You know, a lot of people throw their, you know, red flag up when you say buy a house with credit cards. I mean, you got to be smart with it. You got to, you got to know your numbers, you know, um, uh, you know, whether it's a hard money loan and then refinance it through the bank, whatever it is that you can do, uh, private money lenders, whatever you can do to get enough money to buy your first house in all cash. And it's, it's actually pretty easy to do if you know what you're doing, if you know how to apply for unsecured lines of credit, if you know how to talk to private money lenders, um, if you know how to apply for the 0% interest credit cards, it's actually pretty easy to buy your, your first house in cash. And then it opens up the market to you as well, Greg. I mean, as you know, with creative financing, you know, your market is limited. It's like, you know, maybe 5% of, of the entire market, probably even less. I don't know what your experience is. In, yeah, it's probably Tampa. accurate. Yeah. But, um, but once you're able to have cash, you know, going out there and making cash offers and being able to execute on them, uh, yourself without going to another cash buyer to wholesale it, it really puts you on a different level and it's not too hard to do if you know the steps. Perfect. Oh, that's a great piece of advice, man. I appreciate that. I'm sure the Alliance would love that or loves that too. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So I get to ask you my, one of my favorite questions and it always stumps everybody. So take your time if you need it. What's the <laughs> craziest deal you've ever done? Oh, I can, I can tell you the craziest negotiation I've ever That's done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I was working the pre-foreclosure market and uh, we went to this one house and it, the tenants actually weren't paying the landlord and the landlord lived on a boat. And so okay. In order to try to save him from uh, foreclosure, we went there to try to negotiate with him. Well, when we went over there, we affectionately ca call the guy Dusty Balls Billy. I mean, he's just like this old guy, <laughs> long hair, 
And it was the weirdest situation that I've ever seen in my life because he's pacing back and forth neurotically in the boat. Imagine this, you walk on the boat, there's samurai swords decorating the wall. The Matrix is playing on a, a large screen TV in slow motion. He says, just helps him keep his mind at peace. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, it's so, I mean, it was just, it was just a very tough negotiation and we ended up, he ended up lying to us about what he owed the bank. So it ended up not going through, but that was, that was definitely the oddest, uh, real estate activity that I've been a part of. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy people out there. And I was just talking to, uh, one of our hard money lenders this morning and he was telling me about a, a deal and, uh, and he was just like, man, these people are just strange. And I was like, if I've learned anything in real estate is that, you know, with the amount of people that we deal with on a daily basis, people are just weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially, I mean, when you're, when you're in the realm of looking for people that want to sell their house at a discount, Correct. there's, you know, it, it's, it's, some people are going through psychological duress. They're going through emotional stress. Uh, they're going through divorce or bankruptcy. Some of them are just not all there. Yep. Some of them are addicts. Um, and that's just the nature of the beast. The, the real awesome thing is that you can come in and provide peace to people in these situations. Um, but the, the, the side, uh, the, the, the caveat to that is, you know, sometimes you just come across weird people. In fact, one, one lady, and I'll never do this again, I bought a house with a lady still living in it. Um, and I let her rent it back to me, pay me rent, which all of her checks bounced until she could find a place. Cause I wanted to be a nice guy and not like buy her house and kick her out. So I, um, <laughs> I, I go over and start talking to her and she's like, Oh, after I'm done working things out, she's like, Oh, by the way, can you do me a favor and blow in my breathalyzer in my car? Oh, <laughs> she, my was, yeah, she had like a breathalyzer that she needed to start her car. She was an alcoholic. So I was like, I'm never doing this again. I'm only buying houses with people not in it. <laughs> That's like literally one of my biggest caveats is like, you know, we get wholesalers and agents bring me deals all the time and they're like, oh, they're month to month. You can kick them out. I'm like, nope, I want it vacant or I'm not buying it. I'm not yeah. with that. I, I, nope. Just one of my yeah. non-negotiables, man. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you get desperate for a deal and you try to do those things, but it's just not, it's not fun. You know, I, I like to have fun with what I'm doing. That's, that's why I started real estate in the first place because getting chewed out by Catholic monks was not fun. I don't need to be <laughs> blowing in people's breathalyzers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, tell me one thing that you wish you are sorry that you know now that you wish you knew when you first started. Basically, I, I wish I knew everything. <laughs> no, 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 when I first started, yeah, the one, just the one thing. So, um, I guess it would be how to how to raise money. Okay, um, because that's the number one thing that people they stop. They have a limiting belief that well, I only have X amount in my bank account, and so you know, so I'm not going to do it. So, but as soon as you learn how to use other people's money, be it the person who actually owns the house or the bank or private money lenders or, you know, credit cards, whatever it is, as soon as you learn that, I mean, that puts you on a whole new level. So mm -hmm. um, I, I would say that that's the number one thing for sure. Okay. As of today, what's your favorite form of raising private money or are you still using private money? Uh, I don't really use private money too much okay. anymore, but, you know, obviously the easiest and the cheapest is through the banks. I mean, they're, they're going to give you the lowest interest rates. But a private money lender would be the, the second favorite. And then okay, the cool. third would, would be uh, 
you know, owners of properties. I mean, I got a $800,000 vacation rental property that the owner was retiring and he didn't need a whole lot of money. So he actually financed it to me over 30 years at 3%. So you can't, you can't beat stuff like that. No, sir. You cannot. That's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. All right. So Ryan, you said you're, you're, you're writing a book or have you written a book? Yeah. So I, it actually comes out next week. Oh, beautiful. Um, it's, uh, I actually got, have you ever watched the show alone, the TV series? No, I don't even have cable anymore. I got cut the cord a few years ago. That's, that's smart. And I actually, I I don't watch TV at all, but we had another hurricane warning came through New Orleans. So we had a day where the kids were off school and they're like, dad, you got to watch this show. It's called alone. It's a survival show. So basically the concept is they take 10 guys and they throw them onto the wilderness Island of Vancouver, uh, Vancouver Island, where there's bears and cougars and, you know, uh, wolves. And it, the goal is they, they just have a backpack and they can pick wh- whatever survival gear they want in that backpack. Okay. And the goal is whoever survives the longest alone wins $500,000. So I thought to myself, that is such an interesting concept. And I was really intrigued by the show and the, the strategies and the mindset and the skills in order to accomplish that. And real estate, it all comes down to strategy, mindset, and skills. So I thought to myself, all right, if I had to start all over again, which is what I did have to do in my life with the hurricane, and you suddenly lose everything, what would you do? And you've got $10,000 worth of bills piling up. You got a a family that you got to provide for, and uh, you got creditors knocking at your door, and you have no time, you got no money, you got no experience. What would you do in the next seven days so that in, by the end of the month, you had at least $10,000. What would you do in real estate? So you're dropped off in any city in the world too. So the book kind of takes that concept and it's called the seven day real estate survival blueprint. Okay. How to create $10,000 out of nothing in less than a month. Cool. I like it. All right, Ryan. So you've provided us with a lot of great information today. What do you think the most common mistakes are that newbies are making in the marketplace today? Uh, I think they're not uh, focusing enough on the long term. So most people get into real estate the same reason that probably you or or myself got into real estate, and that's to have passive income. Mm -hmm. And the the problem I see is sometimes they listen to the gurus that just kind of push one way of doing real estate. The problem is with a lot of the strategies out there, they're not passive. Like, you know, you and I were talking about flipping. (laughs) Flipping isn't passive, you know. Uh, it's, it's work. So, um, you need, even if you have to wholesale something in the short term, you always should have the long-term goal to buy something and hold it so that you can start creating passive income assets. And I think that too many people are short-sighted and they just look at what they need today, which basically just causes them more work. But if they're focused more on the long-term, like, all right, what can I do both today? And what can I do to set myself up for the long-term? I think that, that that's probably the most important thing to do that most people miss when they get started with real estate. Awesome. So, you know, if you, you said you've been listening to my podcast a few episodes, you know, it means I'm a book guy. So I'm going to ask you, what's your favorite book of all time? Doesn't have to be real estate. And what book are you currently reading if you're reading a book now? So uh, my, my favorite book of all time is the one that really turn things around for me. And that, that would be Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You know, that's, that, that was an, an amazing book. It was an eye opener. I, I probably read it five times. So that, that's definitely favorite of all time. All right. um, 
Right now, I, I'm more focused on my uh, finishing up the and finishing the editing of my own book. So I, I don't currently have any uh, covers cracked for for a book <laughs> I'm reading now. Okay. No worries. Well, Ryan, thank you for coming on the show. Any parting words that you'd like to give the alliance and anyone listening? Man, just you know, if you're on the fence of whether or not you should get started or whether or not you should take your business to the next level. I think that too many people are ready, aim, fire, when real estate and business and life is ready, fire, aim. Yes. And um, so my, my parting words of wisdom, if I can get, give it to anybody, is just do it. Just get out there and start doing it. Start educating yourself. Learn. And, uh, and, and you won't be sorry. You, re- you really won't. I mean, there's so much success that happens by stupid people just by them taking action. True. So that that would be my my uh, my my only words of wisdom I could part you with. That's perfect. Awesome, Ryan. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on our show today. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It was fun. Good deal. You've just listened to another flipping real estate like the pros podcast. We'd like to thank you for putting your trust in us to be your guide in this exciting venture called real estate investing. If you want us to expand on a topic you heard here today or you have a new question of your own, head on over to gregscoaching.youcanbook.me for a free 15-minute coaching call, or you can leave your question in our Facebook group, which is linked in the show notes. And as always, if you enjoyed this podcast, head on over to iTunes to review, rate, and subscribe to the show. Be sure to strengthen your own alliance by sharing this podcast. Tune in next week for another expert interview or a great topic. Till then, catch you on the flip side, Alliance. Alliance.